0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. The Anfield invincibility has gone again. More questions than answers from the Reds' defeat to Burnley. A lack of activity in the transfer window. No win in five games in the Premier League. No goal in four. What is going on with Liverpool? To get into all of that, We have our chief Liverpool writer, Ian Doyle, Matt Addison and David Lynch with us. Doyley, I'll come to you first. Um, Are you concerned and when does a blip become a crisis? I
2: have to be perfectly honest and say I'm not concerned because this is exactly what should be happening to to Liverpool with a team. You know, we've seen all the injuries. What's actually happened in the last, you know, before Christmas is that they actually surpassed expectations by winning games that perhaps the people didn't think that they would and they've got results where perhaps people thought that they, they shouldn't. So, I mean, are you concerned they haven't scored, what was it, four games now in the Premier League? Well, that's obviously a concern, but it's not the first time it's happened. I'd be more concerned if they were looking at absolutely nothing like scoring. I mean, you know, I'm going to mention something now about, we look at the four games where they've not scored. Against Newcastle, they should have had at least one they should have had a penalty. And um, the Newcastle goalkeeper made a couple of good saves. Against Southampton, they should have had, at least one penalty possibly two against Man united that was more of an even game but united at home what do you expect and then last uh last night you know the um you know if divick scores that one, i know it's all ifs and buts but if Divock origi scores that one he's cleaned through it's a completely different game and he he did just about everything but score i mean i'm pretty sure if he tried that again he'd not be able to do it and then of course the bernie makes a couple of good saves and just going to go back to the penalties i mean if i want going to mention that Manchester United don't score their penalties then they're not top of the league. It's as simple as that. They get them. Whereas Liverpool haven't. And that's not the reason why Liverpool have been struggling. The reason Liverpool have been struggling is because they've got so many players injured. And the, the players that... I mean, interesting to me last night is the team was completely split between players who have played way too much football and players who have played next to none all season. And it, there was like no no in-between. It was straight there. It was one side or the other. You know, one side you had Alisson, Fabinho, Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold... Juan and and Mane. On the other side, you had Origi. How many league games he started this season? I think it's one. Uh, Shakiri, I think it was his second, or, or I think it was his second start, wasn't it, in the league? Thiago's badly played since he's joined. Matic's played about eight or nine games through injuries. And uh, I'm sure there's somebody else there. Anyway. Alex Oxlane yeah, so Chamberlain. Yes, Alex been Chamberlain. He's been out for most of the season, so. There you go. And of the, the players that came on, you know, Salah and Firmino played most of the season and has hardly been seen. So it's it's, it's either a feast or famine in terms of that. And I think that showed in, in parts of the uh, parts of the performance. But, you know, it's... It sounds weird, isn't it, for me to say that. Like, I'm not concerned. You know, here's Liverpool, the Premier League and World Champions and they're down in fourth and, you know, they can't score goals. But as I said, I'd be, I'd be more concerned if they were playing altogether absolutely terribly not creating anything. And even look at the goal that they conceded, it was a penalty. And the amount of, you know, there's been a few games this season, Brighton away, Sheffield United at home where they have concede, where, where conceded penalties. Funny enough, that was Mike Dean, the Sheffield United game as well, although it was from, from VAR. So, in typical Contrary style, while everybody else in there will be absolutely, you know, opening the windows, jumping out of them, even if they're on like the second floor, I'll be, underneath catch them and saying come on it's not too bad you know there's a long way to go still in 19 games i mean at the start of the season i know i didn't think liverpool would win the league for a variety of reasons admittedly one of them wasn't that they couldn't score a goal and half the team would be injured and let's not forget liverpool are still the premier league's top scorers so just kind of shows you how bad everybody else has been um but yeah I i thought for other reasons so i'm not surprised where they are where they are when when um you know, if I was speaking to Lynch earlier today, we certainly were in the same WhatsApp group where I said something on the lines of, I didn't think they'd win it this season. When Van, when Van Dijk got injured, I was pretty sure they wouldn't. And when Gomez got injured, they definitely weren't going to. And if you'd have said when Gomez got injured, that halfway through the season, Liverpool would only be six points off the top. I'm pretty sure nearly every Liverpool fan would have said, yeah, we'll take that.
1: Yeah, is that the right thing, David? Actually putting some perspective into this, the four games in isolation... And as Doily says, there the injuries that have happened, and yet we are We are only at the halfway stage. What four weeks ago, everyone was tripping over themselves to give Liverpool the title.
3: Well, that's it. I feel like you've got, you know. I say this a lot: is that you have to remind yourself that, that on Christmas Day, Liverpool were top, and the, the last game they'd played, with, they'd, they'd won seven 0 away from home. Now. You know, in talking about the, the recent run they've been on, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, crisis is getting thrown around and, and, you know, talk about Liverpool's long-term decline. I saw someone comparing it to um, Pochettino at Spurs the other day Now, I think we need to sort of roll back a little bit and, and, and think this is four results on the bounce in, in the league that have, that have really damaged Liverpool's title, title chances. And, um, you know, it, it, it's nothing more than that. I don't think we're seeing the signs of long-term decline. I'd certainly like to get another 10, 15 games down the line and see where Liverpool are before we sort, sort of start talking about anything like that. I think it's It's just been a, a, a weird season and a weird run. I think I was probably more optimistic about Liverpool's title chances than Doyley at the start of the season. I thought Liverpool had addressed depth issues that they had. You know, you had that little worry about centre-half, but you're not thinking that two of them are going to knock off with long-term knee injuries either, are you? you know, you're thinking that was a minor weakness in comparison to to what the other sides had. And I think that, that sort of played out, really, in, in terms of, you know, you look at City and United, they're the, the two maybe up there with, for the title with Liverpool. They haven't really, um you know, they, they're not putting up an incredible points tally. That Liverpool aren't close to them is because of their own failings. And I do think a lot of that comes down to this little run has basically been a combination of sort of the fatigue from early in the season and, and players not being informed and uh, who missed a lot of football coming in, as Doyle says, it's a mix and match team. Some who've played too much, some who've played too little. So I think a little bit of that coming together, and then obviously long term, I do think the title chances have been harmed by the the, the lack of centre halves and the you know filling in gaps and, and maybe losing a little bit of rhythm in how you set your team up. But um, I think it's you know I, I do I do think it's uh, over the top in some of the assessments that have been coming out of the and I do think you know. You get a couple of wins under your belt, and all of a sudden you you right back up there. And, and like I say, I don't necessarily now expect Liverpool to, to maybe win the title this season as I previously did. But I don't, you know, I think all this talk about top four players being under threat, I think that's a little bit premature at the moment.
1: Yeah, Matt. I suppose one of the big things is how it had sort of snowballed, and initially it was a few concerns over the lack of goals for three games, but now it seems to have become a much wider issue
0: yeah I think that that's the concern isn't it I'm slightly more worried certainly than what Doyle is at the moment in terms of the, the sort of slump I do
1: about. think you know it,
0: it, the word crisis I think is is slightly too much at this stage but we're sort of on the way towards it rather than in one at the moment I think you know for, for me Liverpool obviously haven't been playing particularly well over the last few games which is a concern but you know this season of all seasons that can change very quickly and if they were to win over the weekend they could then beat Tottenham and suddenly everyone's thinking you know there's there's none of this talk of oh they might not even get in the top four and things like that which I think is is over the top I think that's you know fairly fairly safe that Liverpool will do that it's just a case of is that enough is that enough in comparison to, to what the expectations were at the start of the season so For me, the the concern sort of stems partly from the performances and and partly because of the difficult run of fixtures they've got coming up. And that can go in in one of two ways, of course. It could be that they start to to win a few of these games, they beat a few of the teams around them. I think they play Tottenham, Man City and Leicester within the next sort of five or six Premier League fixtures. If you win two or three of those matches, then suddenly the situation looks very different. And we're not talking about Liverpool being behind, we're talking about them being in front, aren't we? So it can change very, very quickly. It's just a concern when you see, what is it, one goal in, in five league games, not playing particularly well in, in all sorts of areas of the pitch, the 2 fullbacks, the, the sort of efficiency and effectiveness of, of both of them has, has, stem, uh, has stopped, when before that was sort of a, a key flow of, of how Liverpool attack. So it, it's a combination of a few things. I think it's, it, it's slightly more than a blip, but not quite into a crisis. But at the same time, you can sort of foresee a situation where Liverpool just have one goal that, that goes in. The divokarigi chance last night would have been the ideal one. I think if that goal goes in, we're talking about a very different situation at this moment in time. I think you know, that the sooner something just goes for Liverpool, it clicks, the confidence comes back. Everyone can then relax and, and hopefully we get to, to see the old Liverpool come back.
1: And this to anyone who, who wants to take it, then are Liverpool now out of the title race or is it still well and truly on?
2: I mean, from, from numbers, points of numbers, yeah, it's on. But, you know, I, I God, this is going to sound terrible, isn't it? I genuinely never thought they were ever really in it for all the reasons that I've already said. Forget the, the injuries. I just thought no fans. I think it's also interesting that Liverpool had that little spell, didn't they, where they had fans at Anfield and then... Okay, the, the West Brom gave a slightly difference, but then since then they've come back and played United and Burnley, and they haven't scored a goal. I reckon that's contributed as well. You're telling me that Liverpool wouldn't have been a slightly different proposition in the, in the second half of both of those two games, kicking towards the COP. I, I reckon they would have done, and it would have. You know, we've said this loads of times. It's not just Liverpool that's affected, but it's almost like Liverpool's unbeaten home record. It almost doesn't count that they lost to Burnley because there was nobody there. It may as well have just been played anywhere. Doesn't really matter, does it? You know, that kind of. The novelty, maybe at the, when they first started uh, playing behind closed doors, that's long gone now. They just they could almost they could almost play. And I know it was that ridiculous suggestion at the start, wasn't it, where we could play all the games at neutral neutral venues, if you remember, about last June, wasn't it, or May or June? They were talking about it. They can almost do it now because no one, probably going to be no fans again this season. They can just play It, anyway. it Didn't really matter. It doesn't really yeah. matter. I don't know, it it doesn't quite work like that in terms of, you know, some clubs, you know, they'll say it's our dressing room, this, that and the other, but ultimately it's out on the pitch. And I think, you know, going back to your question, I think Liverpool, I I think they are out of the title race. Don't think they're going to win it, no.
0: I disagree. I disagree for a couple of different reasons. I think Kevin De Bruyne's injury could help shape the, the sort of title race. I think I'm still not convinced 100% that Manchester United will be able to to maintain themselves. I don't think, you know, Leicester are in a very similar situation. I don't think they'll be able to to sort of maintain it. I think, as you say, there's, there's a long way to go. And look, if Liverpool are, are seven or eight points behind in a month's time going into that Manchester City game, then it's a very different situation. But I think The next few games are what decides, you know, where Liverpool's priorities have to be for the remainder of this season. I don't think it's it's gone just yet.
1: David, you got the final vote. Uh, To be honest, I I think
0: it's not necessarily these
3: recent performances that convince me, and I do think they can go on a little run. I think it's just long term over the remainder of the season. I just think that centre half loss is is going to be felt in some way. You know, you're looking at. well, not necessarily last night, I suppose, but you know when they concede a, a goal against West Brom, that when Van Dyke's there, you just feel that they, they become immune to that sort of thing. Um, I just think over the sort of remainder of the season, I think they'll feel that enough to just just lose enough points to not put them in it. But um, but yeah, like I said earlier, I, I don't think top four or anything like that is is under threat at the moment, so I don't think they're going to be terrible. No, Man City have
2: won. Man City have won the league, by the way. Man City have already won it. There's no way I mean, United, United, United aren't going to win it. No chance. The, I, th- I think
3: Man City have solved some of their issues, haven't yeah. they? That it, it, in a different way than I sort of expected in terms of their, their defensive uh, strength. Now uh, is something that could really provide a platform for them to win the league. And even though they're not as great going forward as they were in previous seasons, they you know, like you say, Liverpool's still top scorers in the Premier League this season. I just think City have got enough now about them as well to to just grind out those one 0 wins that will probably win them the league.
2: And it'll be, you know, I've said this a few times, United, I'm not surprised that United are top. I said this back in November, December, and I seem to remember everybody laughed at me, going, they're not good enough, they're never going to. Oh, look who's look who's top, you know, coming towards February. Oh, I hate to say, like I told you so on that one, but... Yeah, I bet you, you do. Know, but, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, on, this, on, this, yeah on this Liverpool blood-red podcast, here I am, <laughs> gloating about United being top of the league. Yeah, that's going to get out <laughs> really well. Anyway, um, but the point, point being with them is that this was... Again, it has to be this kind of sequence of events or, or circumstances that's just suited United. They've got a squad of, don't care what you say, there's hardly a world-class player in there. You know, there's a couple of very good players, but there's not many world-class, if any, world-class players. Certainly not anymore. The keeper used to be one, but he's, he's not anymore, unfortunately for him. But uh, they've got so many players on the same level. They're, very, they're good players to, to very good players, and they can come in and mix and match. And on top of all of that, they haven't even needed to do that. Because they've hardly had an injury this season, which is incredible. And I think that's to do with the economy, of the way that they play the game, the, the economy of a style of play where the, you know, you've seen they tend not to do that much running around, they keep in position defensively and playing the counter attack, which is brilliant when they're playing against the rubbish teams. But you know, for United they played this season all competition: City twice, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea, and Arsenal. And they've scored one goal, and that was a dodgy penalty. So you know you're not going to win the league if you don't beat any of the teams around you, and they also drew at Leicester. So you know I don't. You know United aren't going to win it. I think City. Something something like a global pandemic would have to stop Manchester City from winning the league. So, you know, what could be even more strange than that? Actually, no. Let's not let's not joke about that. Just in case something does
1: happen. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and probably probably not otherwise. i do, But let's go through some of the, the themes then as to. What is wrong with Liverpool? And Doyle, I'll come back to you. On the point of the fans, you mentioned it before. And I just wonder psychologically for the players, obviously the scenes after winning the Champions League in Madrid, surely that must have played some role in spurring the players onto the start to last season that they had. They came back after the lockdown for the restart, knowing effectively they had this title wrapped up. And I wonder maybe what impact not being able to, we saw all the pictures with the players with the trophies on the picture downfield, but what impact it's had not being able to actually celebrate it with the fans that may well have had on Liverpool. It'll only
2: be said to have an effect if Liverpool start losing games, which is what they're doing now. Nobody was saying this back earlier in the season, but but the reality is the longer it goes on, and don't forget that we've switched from a situation where, in towards the end of September, they were thinking, right, we're going to get people back in for the Sheffield United game in October, which was going to be twelve and a half thousand. And so it was seemed to be just a temporary thing. Then it moved to like November, December, and they're only allowed two thousand in. And now the Premier League are talking about no one's going to be allowed in again this season. So, you know, in that sense, it's not just Liverpool that's affected. But the thing with Liverpool is, uh, you know, there are a couple of other, a couple of other Premier League teams who are the same that. Liverpool sell themselves on this whole LFC family and and playing in front of the crowd, you know, and even away games where you're playing in front of the away support, and, you know that that it, it's it's all part of this one thing. And if you buy into that, the players come and buy into it, and that's what's helped them, you know. If there was you know, if no one was in the ground against Barcelona, they wouldn't have won four 0 in the Champions League semi final. Let's put it that way, right? So that shows the effect that the the fans can have. And for a team like Liverpool, who've got these players, who've a lot of them have come to the club on the back of this history of the fans and the whole thing the ethos especially under Klopp, who who, who's you know he he, he gives it the old lfc family and all that one big club together all the fans and the team united well the the fact the matter is they're not united at the moment because since last march isn't it they've been tens hundreds thousands of miles apart all all over the place because they've not been able to all and go and congregate in the you know i'm gonna say that the you know where they go and worship as it was, it's not like a church but it, you know it's almost like a it, it is a cathedral isn't it a football as opposed to a theater of dreams which we'll come on to a bit later on um but uh yeah but that, that's not that's been missing from liverpool's game and i think that's that has affected them when things haven't been going particularly well and you look at look how many home games this season where it's been a bit been a bit tight and liverpool's yeah, you know, It's no coincidence, and I've said this before, that they scored the last-minute winner against Tottenham when there was people in the stadium, it's for, for me. Don't think that's a
1: coincidence. I just wonder how many Manchester United references you're allowed on the Blood Red podcast before you get booted off, but Well, the plane of the plane on this week and the yeah. them last week so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, David, one of the issues that came out of Jurgen Klopp's post-match press conference after Burnley was the issue of transfers. We had a big debate on it on Monday's podcast, but that seems to be another thing at Liverpool right now that when things aren't going right, people bring up whether or not Liverpool should have signed a center half, but even now to Who's actually in charge of it? All.
3: Yeah, um, I think uh, you know. Klopp sort of addressed this, didn't he, in his, his press conference today, in terms of you know this is no sort of surprise that that this is the way things are. This is how Liverpool operate. That he doesn't have the final say on transfers, so so no one should really be surprised about it. And I think yeah, I think he's right, really. I, I think this is just the way it is. I don't I don't think you can complain about that. I think, you know, you know what you're going to get with FSG and, and the way that they're going to approach things. And at the end of the day, that's been the platform that's set up, you know, the last couple of years, of, or three years, I suppose, if you include the Champions League final run as well, um, of, of, of great success and great performances. And um, I suppose it's, it's not always going to go your way. And I think, I think if there is one criticism of, of that approach, it's that it's sort of it's it's fine margins, isn't it? In terms of you know you give yourself very little room for manoeuvre when things start to go wrong, and I think um, I think they're maybe sort of seeing that um, now. And you know that that gamble maybe on the amount of centre halves that Liverpool had is that something that, that other clubs will be forced to do if they've got limitless limitless funds? I, I suppose not, and maybe that's coming back to bite Liverpool a little bit, but. I just think, I don't think there's any real, you know, it, it, it's been spoken about as if there's this huge internal dispute between Klopp and FSG and I, I really don't think that's the way that they work and I don't think that's the way things are going at the moment. People are right to probably be frustrated that there hasn't been a centre-out brought in in January and I, like I said earlier, I think that's one of the key reasons that I don't think Liverpool are going to win the league. So, if it had been possible, you know, it would have been nice to see someone brought in, but it hasn't happened and, and, and this is just the, the hand that Liverpool fans, I suppose, have been dealt and... You know, you've just got to get behind the team and sort of see how things progress from there. Because it's, um, you know, this is going to be a real test for them. Is finishing the season and not letting this little run sort of completely unravel the season, and, and then being able to say, oh, well, we didn't, we didn't bring someone in in January, so you know, that's why it happened." I think there's there's enough quality in in that squad and the manager to sort of overcome transfers as an underlying theme of this season. I don't think you should be sort of falling back on that.
1: No, what was it three months ago? Liverpool had won the the transfer window, wasn't it, with Thiago Simikas and Diogo Jota. Always a dangerous award that one, winning the transfer window. But Matt, is it maybe are we are we going too far afield talking of fans, talking of transfers, things behind the scenes? Is this not all a central issue of what's happening on the pitch and at the moment it's just not functioning.
0: Well, to be honest, I think it's a combination of all sorts of things. I don't think it's it's one thing that you could say it's definitely that. I think the fans do play a part. I've, I've sort of had my stay on the, the podcast in the past about how much of a, an impact that should make, how much it does make. I do think there's you a know, certain percentage of difference that not having fans there does have in, in certain matches. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think it's that in conjunction with the fact that they don't have enough centre-backs Again, there's the issue of of money and and finances and all sorts of things, the the forward planning, what do they do in the summer? All of these things have to be considered. It's not just as simple as, oh, we need another one, let's just go and do it. So it's that, it's so many different things. It's the lack of form, it's a seeming lack of of confidence. I think there's been times this season when a few different players have looked a bit fatigued and tired. That was a word that Jürgen Klopp didn't recognise, was it, in his press conference the other day was fatigue, but I think certainly... You know, that's something that that we've seen a fair few players sort of suffer from over the last sort of few weeks. And it's just a sort of conjunction of of all of those things coming at the same time for Liverpool, which has caused what is happening at the moment, which is sort of collective blip individually as well. And it's just one of those things that there's no easy solution. If there was an easy solution, I'm sure Liverpool would have gone and done it because we've said it enough times, you know, not getting a centre back or, or not performing at the right levels could cost them in the long run but look it's not quite as simple as that I think they just have to sort of get themselves through this little period and reassess where they're at in a month's time and as I say if in a month they're in a similar sort of situation then you can start to start to, to look and, and say well do you focus more on the Champions League do you look at trying to get back into the top four you sort of reassess your priorities at that point but at this stage it's just a case of of keeping going making sure they Try and turn around what has gone wrong as quickly as they can because look, the, the quicker we can stop talking about this blip and stop trying to find reasons, the better.
2: If you if you'd have asked if you'd have asked any of Liverpool's rivals this time last year, can you give us a little checklist of things that we'd quite like to go wrong for Liverpool to give us a really good chance to go right? But you can get rid of Van Dijk for stars. Okay, he's gone. Right, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold's a really important player. Can he have a bit of like rubbish form? Okay, he's gone. Right, they're really good at Anfield. Is there anything you could do that could possibly you know negate that influence? Okay, that's gone. Uh, and also, you know, the money situation. You know, the, the, just in case they want to try and sign anybody, okay, they can't do that either. And I know that there are you know some of those you know like the the as we said before the transfer stuff, and that's affecting because no one's signing anybody this month. That's affecting all clubs. But to try and you know, there's been like a. You know, you know, all of these events have conspired to go against Liverpool. Everything that could have possibly gone wrong for Jurgen Klopp probably has done, and he was, you know, it, it's 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 going to be difficult for Liverpool to to win the league from this position. But what's interesting is that talking to the top four, because this season will be taken in years to come, this will just be seen as a, as a freakish season, an anomaly. But you'd like to think that next season the fans will be coming back in and people will start to be moving around again. You don't want to be not in the Champions League then. Because then, you know, you'll be, you'll, Liverpool will be trying to, you know, trying to get players to come and join them in the, in the summer. So, you know, it's the old thing. It's almost like we come full circle. It's right back to Klopp's first season. You know, it's like, you know, we've got to get in the Champions League because we need to, you know, we need to do do this to try and you know, get the players back in. And, he, you know, they weren't able to do it that year. But, you now would I imagine they've got a lot better chance of doing it this time around from the position with the squad that they've got uh, in, in terms of the talent they've got already. You know, if you take away the centre-back situation, look at the rest of the squad. There's like Jota has to come back, but the rest of the squad is still, you know, there's players, as we've said before, they're coming back from injury, trying to trying to get their feet. And it may end up being that the likes of Oxlade, Chamberlain, Thiago, Jota, will end up being massively influential in the last two or three months of the season. And the fact that, this, that the season ends so, you know, relatively late in terms of games played could end up working in Liverpool's favour in the end.
1: Are you saying that this year's league table is going to be like the, what is it, Boxing Day 1963 graphic that we see oh, every no. year? We, that this we, league table every, is going to be every
2: single time. Everyone just waits for it. There it is. Okay, That's yeah. Need, know, yeah. It be, is it Tottenham beat Everton 10-4 or something stupid yeah, like that? Some, yeah, something like yeah.
1: that. I wonder if this year's league table is going to be the the league table equivalent of that. But David, we've mentioned Virgil Van Dijk there, and one thing that sort of jumped out to me last night watching on was an element that we've maybe not realised that Liverpool have missed of what he brings, which is that calmness and that composure. When he first arrived, it was what everyone said had been missing and that he brought. And that incident at half-time that happened and Jurgen Klopp squaring up with Sean Dyke it all seemed to be getting a, a bit techy and Liverpool losing their composure, which when Van Dyke's there just doesn't seem to happen.
3: Yeah, I feel that's also maybe something that, uh, you know, Van Dijk's maybe underrated in that in that sort of element of the game in terms of being a real leader and, and being a captain without the armband. But I do think it's worth mentioning, you know, it would have been interesting to see how Jordan Henderson would have dealt with that situation. Would he have allowed his teammates to get that frustrated and, you know, and, and sort of get themselves wound up by Burnley side who were basically just using the exact same tactics that you would expect of Burnley under Sean Dyche? You know, there's nothing there to get wound up about. That is just how Burnley play. Liverpool have come up against it over these past few seasons. They shouldn't be surprised and they shouldn't be you know, allowing themselves to get frustrated by it. So I, yeah, I do think they missed that that leadership there. And you know, in, in terms of Van Dyke as well, I think another thing that that, that possibly he saw they missed and, and was part of the the game uh, yesterday was was his his passing from deep uh, is is a real thing that I think Liverpool, in terms of switching the angle of attack and you know the way he fades across the ball and makes it look like he's going to play to one side, but then he plays it to the other, that gets Liverpool's full-backs off the pitch and you know allows the wingers to to come in and. I think that's something they're really missing at the moment so yeah i think that's something that's that's unsettling the team slightly though that said i don't think if you you know if someone offered you now that the massive and fabinho would play another 15 games together over the remainder of this season i, I don't think the should will, will be in a position at the end of the season where they can be looking back and saying that the, the van dyke thing would would you know be enough to cost them top four um you know in terms of the title maybe but but in terms of top four the, 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 this level of performance shouldn't stop if you have a partnership as good as, as that at the back because I think that you know Rubinho has is proving himself even though he sort of lost his temper a little bit yesterday, I think he's been absolutely phenomenal at centre half and, and really stepped up to the plate and and also Matip, you know, coming in after a few days training, thought he was outstanding again as well. Um, you know, the unfortunate really to not keep a clean sheet. So so Liverpool have got enough quality and should have enough composure there at the back even without Van Dyke to you know to, to pick things up.
0: The Blood Red
1: Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Matt, the question then following on from Van Dyke and David mentioned Jordan Henderson as well is who is the more influential and more important player? Because when you look at the numbers with Jordan Henderson, when he isn't there for Liverpool, Michael Reid on on Twitter putting a a tweet out about it and saying since the start of last season, Liverpool's win rate with Jordan Henderson is 76%. Without him, it's 58. It seems to be a huge gulf.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. There was a a follow-up to that tweet as well, which said that the six defeats that Liverpool have had in the Premier League since the start of last season, four of them have been without Henderson and one of them has been with Henderson at centre-back. So you can sort of see when he's not there, those are are when those defeats do come. And It is a huge sort of thing to to plug the gap. I mean, trying to pick the difference or who's the most important between Henderson and and Van Dijk, I mean, it's very, very difficult I think the obvious answer your sort of instinct would be to say well it's van dyke isn't it because he's the best center back in the world but you know you you look at at the statistics you look at the numbers you you even just see it with with your own eyes don't you with with jordan henderson on the pitch you just see that greater intensity and i think it's it's about leadership as well i think yesterday we we saw obviously there was no van dyke there was no henderson james milner was on the bench and, and didn't come onto the pitch and I think liverpool just sort of lost their, their way a little bit i think it, it sort of links back into that composure thing not just in terms of you know the, the sort of fabinho clash and, and that thing but in terms of on the ball as well that composure of being able to to move about and, and create those gaps and create those spaces against a team which is set up in a very deliberate way to sort of well frustrate you i suppose so yeah i think that to try and, and choose which is is the most influential is almost impossible but in their own different ways I think they bring you know so much to the table it's leadership it's that passing it's dictating the tempo and it's it's just talking through the game that you know for the the rest of those players on the pitch I think you know very very much we we saw that that was missing I know you know doing I'm sure could could explain it it far better from being in the stadium in terms of you know where um, the sort of loudness of Jordan Henderson comes into play and and how he does talk every single player through the match every single week I think when you, you take that out, combined with everything else, all of the other factors that are missing as well, it it's almost a, a deadly combination.
2: I was going to say, it was very, very quiet. In fact, it was that quiet I think the players could hear me just shouting how rubbish the game was at them. So, you know, it was uh, perhaps not the best motivation, I must say. But uh, the other thing that's not been mentioned about Van Dyke as well, and that would have been very helpful yesterday, is his threat from set pieces as well in terms of scoring mm-hmm. goals, given the fact that I think Liverpool, I think I, t- I told it up as... 23,000 crosses, and um, I think 22,089 of them hit the first man or something like that. the were, others were overhit. And, you know, it was interesting. Am I right in saying that Ben Mee got man of the match on Sky? Is that correct?
0: No, I'm not no, sure.
1: I don't I, know. Yeah, I don't not think sure. sure. He, he surely can't have. Uh, I mean, he got through half an hour without, without talking thinking. about Divo
2: I'm sure that they gave it to him. Somebody can correct me on that. Uh, because I was thinking, how can he possibly give it to him? I, mean, I must admit, you know, I only saw it in you know at the corner of my eye on the screen that we were at the at the stadium. So it did. That's only just come to me then, as if to say, hang on a minute. Didn't he just like so I'm, give the ball? Like yeah, theory, I'm, sure,
1: I'm sure it would have been Nick Pope who was man of the match. But
2: yeah, that's probably made a bit more sense. To be honest, that would make a bit more sense. But uh, yeah, it must have been because they interviewed him after the game, didn't they? Yeah, yeah and they, weren't, so they were been, uh, they
1: were yeah. praising him a lot. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but uh, yeah, but Van Dijk, you know, did they, they miss? They missed his threat from from because he scored quite a few goals and important goals, didn't he? In fact, the, the game against United last season, he scored the opener from a from a corner. So there you go. Now, go to give you a nice segue there. Come on.
1: Yeah, we will move on to to Manchester United. The one thing I just wanted to ask David about Jordan Henderson was this year we've spoken so much about Vinaldum's contract salary recently, the situation at, at centre half. But is that not a big sort of danger sign that's flashing down the road that? liverpool are going to have to replace jordan henderson it probably won't be in all too long in in terms of distance in time when they have to do that
3: yeah i suppose i suppose it's you know you look at the the age profile of some of the midfielders they have and you maybe been hoping that the navigator will be coming up and 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 taking that mantle from jordan henderson and being a real dominant force in midfield or even an oxlade chamberlain i know it's a different sort of midfielder but you, you know you're wanting to operate in a similar way But neither of those has really had the, you know, stepped up to the plate really at the, um, and and you know the injury problems have really held them back. So it's looking like you know Liverpool are going to have an issue in midfield pretty soon. You know, Wayne another one. Obviously, his his contract situation. So really, you know, going into next summer, I think I think midfield's an area where Liverpool are going to think that they're going to have to do a bit of shopping because, um, you know, I think maybe with the Thiago signing, there was a little bit of thinking that. Okay, if we don't get an extra centre half, then Fabinho can play back there at, at times, and, and that gives all these midfielders a game. But really, we're, we're sort of walking into a situation where Liverpool desperately do need to sign another midfielder, regardless. I think because I just don't think they can rely on those those two particular injury hit. Um, you know, as any replacement for anyone who or, or to to work and push anyone out of the team. So, um, yeah, they, they've got work to do in, in central midfield. I think, and that's that's something they're really going to have to look at in the summer.
1: Yeah, interesting. We'll touch base on that again, I'm sure. But let's take Doyle's segue then and move on to Manchester United. We got through half an hour without mentioning Divock Origi, Matt, who didn't have a great night against Burnley at Anfield. But I suppose the big question is going into Manchester United. How the Liverpool get back to scoring ways and get through to the fifth round of the FA Cup? <sighs>
0: Well, I mean, if I had the answer to that, I'd probably be working on the Jurgen Klopp, wouldn't I, for Liverpool's coaching staff. I mean, it's it's a really difficult question to answer. I don't think Divock Origi is the answer. I didn't think that before yesterday's game. and Unfortunately, I was proven to be correct with that. I mean, I suppose you, you would go back and you've got to imagine against Manchester United now that Roberto Firmino and Mohamed Salah will both play. The fact that they didn't start last night suggests that they're both going to start in, in this one you've probably got to imagine that Sadio Mane will be there as well. I think Liverpool, for for me, have to go relatively strong. I think they will make a couple of changes. I think Manchester United will do the same. But just off the back of this run, I think they need to to sort of try and get back as as quickly as possible and, and try and get a few goals. So I'd be playing all of the big hitters, playing it almost as if it was a league game with one or two changes in there as well. And just trying to play Liverpool back into form, really. So it's going to be fascinating I think to see exactly how Jurgen Klopp lines up I mean earlier in the season I wasn't convinced that it was a massive priority the FA Cup for Liverpool this season I thought that the Aston Villa lineup probably was more a case of of him putting those players in just to get rhythm back in to to break up that gap between what was it Southampton and, and Manchester United but I think tomorrow's lineup or Sunday's lineup, I should say, should uh, give us a little bit more of an indication. When you consider that it's Tottenham on Thursday, just you know how important the FA Cup is for Liverpool this season.
1: Yeah, but not not in the title race, surely, because they were never in it. And top four seemingly guaranteed from what we discussed earlier. Jurgen Klopp made reference in his press conference to the fact the FA Cup is one-off games this season and will be decided on the night. So, is the FA Cup there for the taking for Liverpool?
2: But we said this on the, on what, an earlier podcast, didn't we, that, that again, with it being one-off games and some of the games being played in midweek, I think Klopp quite fancies the FA Cup this year, to be honest. And I think there is Liverpool, they have a squad now which, for all the talk of the injuries, they could make loads of changes and, and it would still be strong, partly because of the fact that quite a lot of the players have had to play in the, in the Premier League this season because of the injuries. So, in some ways, Liverpool's FA Cup run might benefit from the Premier League, you know, season being a bit of a bit of a bit of an issue with it, players being missing. So, yeah, I think I think he would quite fancy a bit of a go at this competition. It doesn't help that they've drawn Manchester United away in the same way that it didn't help that they drew Everton last season or a couple of seasons before that. You know, Chelsea in the fifth round last last year is different because you get down to the last sixteen then, so you expect to come up against good teams. Whereas, you know, you don't you don't ideally want to be playing Man United. Especially you know, Liverpool should have been playing Villa, shouldn't they, away from home? So they would have would should have been Villa's. You know, I team with the lost seven two two back in October. So that would have been a difficult game in itself. So it's gonna be interesting. Funny enough, for all the reasons I mean Liverpool's record at Old Trafford is quite poor under Klopp. Pretty sure they haven't won a game after have they? they haven't won a game since twenty fourteen when they uh, they got about ten penalties. You know, they've used up their entire centuries of in one match.
1: How many crosses <laughs> did they play that
2: day, yeah? Um, I don't no crosses were needed. It was just three balls. Three balls just got in behind. Um, but you, but for those reasons, United haven't been particularly great. I know they've they've started winning a few games at home now, but I think a lot of the reasons that perhaps Liverpool haven't performed at Old Trafford, the, you know, the 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 arena, the fans, all that kind of stuff. That's all gone now. So I actually quite fancy Liverpool on on Sunday because
1: I think they've they've got a point to prove and they're playing against a team that doesn't have any world class players. So come on. Get it sorted. What do you make of that, David? Is it one of those form goes out the window and chance for Liverpool? To it kick never start goes the out season? the window. Form book <laughs> never goes out
2: the window ever. The, the form book never goes out the window. It's it's the biggest lie ever. Otherwise, you know, on, on Derby Day, you you got to be careful when you're walking, you know, because all of these you're gonna get hit by all these form books. <laughs>
1: Anyway, but if <laughs> Did, that, didn't, if see that's didn't see the bait Didn't see the bait. I know. I know. It just annoys me. <laughs>
3: if that's if that's true about the form book, and I, I, I do tend to agree with that, then you know United are are in the better form of the two, aren't they? They probably should have won the Anfield game in terms of the, the chances they created. I thought were better, and you know they looked like they grew in confidence, and, and more the more that game went on, sort of believed they could he could beat Liverpool now bringing them back to their own place a week later, uh, Liverpool having suffered another shock result, another poor result. Um, I don't think the confidence will have you know, taken a dint from that. So, you know, I think United will be feeling that they can get a win. Maybe that's what Liverpool need, is to, to come up against the United side who we're going to sort of approach it differently to, to what, the, you know, the teams have come up against at Old Trafford in recent years. It's been very negative, hasn't it? United's aim has basically been to sort of try and ruin the game. So I think if, you know, Maybe at Old Trafford, they'll, they'll they'll get a little overconfident, maybe, and that'll give space to Liverpool's attackers that they've just been completely denied over the last four games. And you know, maybe we see a, a fast breakaway leading to a shot, which we haven't seen for quite a while from Liverpool, and and that sort of thing. So hopefully, that could could maybe play into Liverpool's hands. But I do think, you know, on paper, this is extremely difficult. I don't really agree with doyle either that there's no world class players in that United Name team. Name
2: one. Name one. Yeah.
3: I think Bruno Fernandez is in that. Oh, is in you
2: that. Just completely bracket. negated your own argument there. Yeah,
3: I, I, I really do think he's you know world class player. And I think you know, I think Liverpool should be concerned about him. Um, you know, he's he's at the heart of everything United do well. But but you know, on the other side, the, the flip side of that is obviously if they keep Fernandez quiet and they can really shut him down, do a good do a job on him in midfield, it makes it, it makes the game a lot harder for United. So. It's an interesting one, uh, you know. I, I think from Liverpool's perspective, they'll be hoping that maybe United do get that that little bit of overconfidence and maybe play into their hands a little bit tactically. And that, you know, a win at Old Trafford, even though it's it's only in the FA Cup and it doesn't necessarily get the title challenge back on track, what what that would do for confidence for Liverpool at the moment, it would it would be absolutely huge, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, it certainly would. Feels as though it, it could do Matt with Liverpool getting the first goal in this game. Another key in in any match, but that wait for a goal and. Obviously, the, the magnitude of the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's felt like that for, for four or five games, hasn't it? That Liverpool, the first goal, would change everything. But I think, yeah, certainly against Manchester United, that would, as David says, force them to, to come out. If Liverpool go a goal ahead, then, of course, they have to chase it, which would suit Liverpool. So, yeah, I think it, it's huge for for the mood. It's huge for Liverpool playing themselves back into form ahead of what could be a big game even in the top four race potentially come the end of this season with tottenham on thursday so yeah it's it's important and that i think will be reflected in in the way that liverpool line up i think there will be a few different changes as i say but it's not going to be it's not going to be wholesale i think they'll go pretty strong purely because they have to they have to sort of find a way to get themselves out of this rotten you know, you, you can look at the game in, in two different ways, can you? You can look at it as I have sort of been for, for the last few days, thinking it's it's Manchester United. It's, it's probably not the team that you want to be facing, given their form, given the way that they'll be going into the game, thinking that, you know, they've a real good chance to, to put a few past Liverpool. But at the same time if Liverpool can do that, if they do put in a performance, you know, what a a huge lift it could be. And who knows, in a few months' time, we could be, you know, looking at at one of these games in the, the next week or so as being the time that it turned and Liverpool got themselves out of a bad run of form, changed it round. And I think, you know, certainly if they could put a couple of goals past Manchester United at the weekend, that would just... Lift everybody, wouldn't it? Because I think, you know, as much as Doily will say that you know the, the mood shouldn't be affected, and Liverpool were never in the title race. I think you know there's That's, a that's lot of not, Liverpool... not exactly what I said. <laughs>
1: that's not what <laughs> I said. Like I, that. It like that. I said that. I didn't
0: think that.
1: they were going
2: to win the league. <laughs> that's totally different.
0: I think a lot of uh, Liverpool fans would would probably you know disagree with that, and I think the the mood around the club and the players as well, to be honest, I think would be would be massively improved
1: well let's get into our team selection then for the game because that does feel like it's going to be a large part of the talking points around the game uh alison becker and gola we agreed on that one guys no
3: it's kelleher yeah i think it will be kelleher as well to be honest i think he's earned his opportunity in the fa cup i think He's a more reliable backup, isn't he? Than Adrian. You, you don't. You feel less concerned maybe about throwing him in. Good experience for him. You've got to give him a. You know, you've got to give him something. I need mean, to sort of encourage him to, to stick around the, the squad and, and sort of really feel like he's involved. So I think I think he's end. I think he's end to start.
0: Yeah, Matt, Matt, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think it, it, it would be harsh not to play him, but I'm going to be harsh. I'm going to put Allison in. As I say, <laughs> this is a this is a big game for Liverpool. I think you you have to, to sort of give. Alisson the, the job really I think it, it's one that yeah I, I think it it's really important as I say in terms of the mood in terms of, of the whole season it, it's Manchester United and I'd be going certainly with with Alisson in goal there will be one or two changes in my team but it's it's going to broadly look like a Premier League game to me yeah
1: I'm inclined you've to ruin in career there but... you've, you've ruined his career <laughs> there honestly the, uh, <laughs> honestly. the, the minority uh, sorry the majority rules Kelleher in goal for us then uh, Doyle back four I'll let you go on this The back four will be Nico Williams at right back.
2: It will be Costas the unseen Simicas at left back. And the centre backs will depend on one will be Fabinho. And the other one, if Henderson's fit, he'll be the other centre back. If he's not fit, it'll be Nat Phillips.
1: I, I get obviously the Spurs game is, is coming up in midweek, but the Trent selection, David, regarding that and him being dropped, I know it's a cup game and therefore maybe the, the same sort of thinking with Kelleher, but it does it will it serve as somewhat of a wake-up call to Trent as well? He's he's not been in good form for a little while now.
3: No, he's been struggling, hasn't he? I, I think, you know, you, you do wonder, don't you, the, the sort of impact of it, the period he spent out, and I know the managers touched on that he you know, the is had basically had a positive COVID test on I me, mean, and, and basically we don't know what the sort of you know physical toll that takes on a footballer. I know some players have, have suffered with that, and, and I don't want to you know just speculate on that. But he, he has been so sort of out of sorts recently that you, you know it only makes you wonder if, if, if he's maybe feeling the toll of that. So I think a rest would, would maybe be good for him, and, and you know you just hope he can get back to that soon, but. You know, if he doesn't play, then the good opportunity for Nico Williams. And I saw he did an interview me uh, today, and that was quite interesting, what he said and that, you know, sort of facing up some of the criticism he's faced. So it'd be quite nice to see him back in the team and, and playing well, because he's a, he's a big talent as well.
1: Would you go along with Doyle in wrestling Mattip as well?
3: Yeah, I think you've got to be very careful with Matip. It's like I said earlier, if if, if you could guarantee that you will get fifteen games together out of Matip and Fabinho for the remainder of the season, I think you wouldn't worry too much about Liverpool and where they finish in the Premier League. So I think I think you just got to be very careful with him in the cup competitions and, and maybe just hold him back till you get a bit bit further on. I think the the, the thing I would maybe change is is maybe go with Reese Williams over Nat Phillips. I just think. Uh, Nat Phillips is more one he's, the Klopp has maybe relied on against physical teams. Where I think you know, obviously we know that United are maybe more of a team who are mobile. So I would, I would maybe maybe put him in there. But obviously, I actually, I suppose Doyley said it would would maybe be Henderson, didn't he? Actually, so you know that that could be an option if he's fit. I suppose, and I think he, he will have that in his mind that he'll want someone who is is mobile there. So that's why I would sort of push against maybe Nat Phillips maybe starting it.
1: Fair enough, uh, Matt. What about the midfield?
0: Yeah, uh, midfield is is where I'm going to make changes. I think I I broadly agree with the guys. I think Trent will play at at right back and it'll be a a fairly stable uh, defence. In midfield, I'm going to sort of change it up a little bit. I'm going to bring James Milner in. Uh, I'm going to start Wijnaldum as the the deeper player and and have Curtis Jones in there as well. So, um, yeah, that's assuming that if Henderson plays, he will be at centre-back and I'm just going to take Thiago Alcantara out of the mix, which I'm sure won't be very popular, but I just think he did struggle a little bit for me last night and I think with a few of these players, you don't want to play too many games in a row considering the the run coming up. So, yeah, I think there's uh, there's a chance to to change it up in this game and I think that comes in, in midfield.
1: Do you go along with that, Doily?
2: Hi, I'm going for a different formation. I'm Ooh. going for 4-1-5. Four, four,
1: no, not really. 4-2-3-1. Uh, What's <laughs> nice, nice happened. To- Sorry, where's that been since City away, eh? Well, I don't know. No, It was four two four anyway. Four two four against true. City. Yeah, yeah,
2: four four two actually.
1: Four two three
2: one, and it'll be uh, James Milner and uh, Thiago as the two. I think Thiago needs to just keep on playing now. To be honest, he needs to get used to playing with these players. And the one in terms of just behind the front, the front three, which we can come to in a bit, be Curtis Jones. He can play in the number ten.
1: Interesting. David, what's your, what's your midfield looking like?
2: Yeah, I think I think um, we've
3: seen we've seen in the past couple of games. I think Thiago has, has started really well and, and faded a little. And that's that's no criticism of him. He's obviously you know lacking a little bit in fitness because of he's had such a disrupted season. He's he's only just sort of getting back into his stride. So I think maybe maybe you leave him out with this one with with you know the next game in mind. And I, I, I think the midfield there of, of Milner, you know, you bring him in. He's someone who's a real leader in there. That would that would be good to to get him in particularly in the run they're in at the moment. And then yeah, I think I think agree with Matt. I think it's just the same midfield was was Wine Alderman and then maybe Curtis Jones. I think it's time to to get Curtis Jones back in there. I think um I think he's been unfortunate he's sort of been missing out on the team recently. He's you know, I think he's played really well this season given the opportunity and um, you know, he'd absolutely love to be to be back in the team for this one when he manchester United away and, and try and make an impact on it. So yeah, I think I think I'll go with that midfield.
1: I'll stay with you David, you can lead us on the, the front three.
3: Yeah, so I think because of Firmino and Salah not, not starting the, the last one they would maybe come into that front three and hopefully get a bit of form back and then on the left hand side, if he if he does feel like Mane needs a rest then maybe it's one to, to start Minamino out there. I think his 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 best game for Liverpool is that one he scored in against Palace and he, he sort of started out on that left hand side. I think that's a position that probably suits him best. His only problem is that Sadio Mane and, and Diogo Jassa both play there, so he's not really gonna get a lot of opportunities in that position. But I think I think this would be a good chance for him if he, if he could come into that front three and, and maybe give Mane a rest, and if you need him, he's, he's on the bench.
1: Matt, what do you make of that?
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go along with that, I think. I agree completely. I think it's pretty certain that we see Salah and Firmino from the start. The question mark really is just over Sadio Mane. I think we see him at some point, it's just a case of, does he play the, the first hour or so, or does he come off the bench? I'm tempted to, to sort of use him off the bench and, and do what I think Jürgen Klopp was trying with Salah and, and Firmino last night against Burnley, in that it gives you an option to change it up. And we know that Liverpool haven't been scoring loads of, of late goals and stuff like that. So I think the idea behind that was to to keep a couple of players in reserve. So it it's a toss-up between do you do you keep him in or, or do you not. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with him. I'm gonna play Mane and, and go with the front three, but I think there's certainly a good argument there to, to play Minamino instead and and save money as you kind of you go to option the first sub off the bench,
1: not scoring late goals, Matt. Not scoring any goals at all. That's that's the issue right now. But, I did uh, say that. Yeah, Doily. Yeah. Doily, <laughs> what, do what about the the, the full three?
2: Oh, it'll be the three who came off the bench against uh, whichever team they played on Thursday. I've forgotten. Where was I? Who were they? Burnley. It was Burnley. Yeah, it was the, the So it's basically Salah, Firmino, and Minamino. Anyway, on the left. in the four-two-three-one, which means that it'll be, as I say, Curtis Jones in behind for me. I just think it'll be interesting. Just went to against the score predictions. That's all I'm waiting for now.
1: Well, what's the, what's the score going to be then? Do me last. Do me last. Right. <laughs> it worth it. It's worth it. Right.
0: Matt, you're up first. Score prediction. Uh, great. Um, I am going to... Oh, I don't know. I'm going to oh, be
2: He's got them losing. He's got them losing. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent.
0: you can't say they can get beat. You know. I'm desperately trying to find them up. Op- no, I'm going to go two-one Manchester United. Wow. Yeah,
3: wow. I, I, I was going to say the same result. To be honest, I think it'd be nice if Liverpool got a goal because I think that would sort of just give them a little confidence boost in and it, of itself. But I think Manchester United, the confidence they've got, you know, the, the threat from set pieces they've, they've got, you know, Fernandes in the form of his life, um, even though he's not a world class player. Uh, according to Doily, Um He's not. yeah, I just, I, I just think they've got enough about them to to beat Manchester, to beat Liverpool on their own patch. And so yeah, I'm I'm going to go for a two-one defeat, unfortunately.
1: And Doyle, all hope rests with you. <laughs> well, let's not forget that Manchester United
2: lost six-one at home to Tottenham, and they also beat Leeds six-two. Was it six-two? Six-two or six-two. Yeah, six-six-two at home. So it's not going to be six-two. Don't worry. It's gonna. It's not all. Yeah, it's gonna. It's. I reckon it's gonna be a slightly odd game. I think. I think it's gonna be two all, and I think Liverpool win on penalties.
1: There you go. Not not as mad as I thought you were initially gonna go there, (laughs) leading towards. I thought you were gonna say four two or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but to be fair, to be fair, I've seen
2: two 7-2s this season and a 7-0 and a 4-3. So whatever happens, I'll just be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> is so it what's straight- that the, the 13th goal going in? Yeah, all right. Okay, yeah, Do,
3: Doily it. was reporting on that
2: Boxing Day games that you referred to
1: earlier. <laughs> okay, <that'll be> it. <laughs> is, it, is it straight to penalties or is there extra time? No, it's extra, extra time. Right. Come on, you should This de- is an right. Arsenal fan. Yeah. Arsenal oh, of course. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. <laughs> anyway, yeah. stick with us on the, the Liverpool Echo ahead of the game post-match. Of course, here on Blood Red as well, we will have the debrief straight after the game. But from myself, Guy Clark, Matt Addison, David Lynch and Ian Doyle, Liverpool right now with no transfers, contracts running down and a lack of goals. Could say they're facing the perfect storm. The message, though, walk on